As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. With the 2016 NFL Draft now in the books and the undrafted free agent signed, Larry D. looks back on this past weekend's exploits and gives his thoughts on Ryan Pace's second draft. Did the Bears get the right guys? And how does Larry D. feel about it? We welcome Scott Wright back to analyze the draft on the 2016 Draft Review episode of the Chicago Bears Review. One of the most hopeful weekends in the entire NFL schedule. Now in the books, seven rounds, 253 players, and a slew of undrafted free agents now all beginning their NFL careers. What's going on? Larry D. back for the NFL Draft Review episode of the Chicago Bears Review, and we will have Scott Wright on the show here uh, in just a few moments. I'm, um, I'm doing it a little bit differently uh, this time. I'm actually, uh, what I like to do or what I have done in the past is I record the interview and then I kind of build the sh- record the rest of the show around it. This time, I'm recording the rest of the show, and we'll plug the interview in uh, later when I get a chance to talk to Scott uh, later on. But, um, you know, just wanted to um, give my take on my own personal take on, on what the Bears did, um, what the Bears have done, and what they are still doing uh, now that the draft is all wrapped up as we head into – OTAs and uh you know mandatory workouts and then finally mini camps and then on finally to training camp the preseason and the 2016 regular season so still got a few steps to go to me this is such a a bittersweet weekend because it is the last real event before the start of training camp and into the preseason so here we are the end of April the beginning of May today's the uh 3rd uh, of may um you know yeah we're gonna have mini camps and otas and stuff like that but those aren't events there's you don't you don't you don't circle that on your calendar you know training camp starts at the end of july beginning of august then you got the preseason games and stuff so it's two and a half months two and a half to three very long months before anything worth talking about is going to happen uh in the nfl so um you know, this is this is where we're gonna start uh, start getting on start getting online and start reaching out to some of our friends at SB Nation and and, and any other uh, uh, websites that I can uh, think of to uh, get people on the show to start talking about our preview uh, previews and uh, for our opponents for 2016. Uh, I've already gotten responses back from just about everybody in the NFC East and Indy on the AFC South side and um you know i've got strong contacts of course with our guys in the nfc north so we're we're good to go and 
we're playing Tampa Bay again, so Sander Phillips will have him back on the show uh, once again as well. They had a very interesting draft. I'm going to be very interested to talk to him uh, about that draft class because their first two picks, um, I love their first two picks. Vernon Hargraves, the corner. Then they got Noah Spence, who fell into the second round. Love that. Then they gave up a third and a fourth round pick to draft a kicker in the second round. Got to have a conversation with him about that. But, uh, you know, so hopefully that will be happening end of May, beginning of June as we, you know, this is how we're going to try to busy ourselves over the next, you know, two and a half, three months before training camp and the preseason uh, gets started. But um, lots to cover uh, with the Bears and their draft class, their undrafted free agents and, and so on. So what do you say we go ahead and dive right into all of it? The 2016 NFL Draft for our beloved Chicago Bears. As you guys know, uh, I believe it was just last year that I started doing knee-jerk reactions for the draft. So I have a bit of a different approach to the Bears making their pick at number what was supposed to be 11 ended up being uh, number nine. So I've got some knee-jerk reactions here for you, and I, I think you're going to enjoy them. Um, the first one, maybe not so much, but uh, the second one definitely when the Bears actually made their official choice. Uh, I think you'll find that one uh, most interesting. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction to the NFL draft, and here we are in the first round. Picks number seven and eight. And the reason that I'm jumping in now is that if you'd have asked me who were the number one, who were the two of the guys that I wanted. Now, when we had Scott Wright on the show last time, you know, he had the mock draft with the Bears getting Ronnie Stanley. Unfortunately, he went number six uh, to the Ravens. Number seven was DeForest Buckner, the defensive end from uh, from Oregon, who was the, the one defensive player, uh, you know, on the defensive line that I wanted the Bears to get. He's going to San Francisco. And at number eight, the Titans, who traded back uh, from the number one pick down to 15, traded back up to number eight in a trade with the Browns. They took the other guy that I wanted. Uh, if it wasn't going to be Ronnie Stanley or DeForest Buckner, I wanted Jack Conklin. Tennessee just took him off the board. However, that does mean that the number one overall prospect on Scott Wright's board going into the draft, Laramie Tunsil, for some reason is spiraling down the board. He has fallen, and here we are at number uh, nine is on the clock right now. It looks like it's the Buccaneers who they might take. The Bears are picking at 11, just a couple of picks away, and Maybe Tunsil falls to the Bears and we can't resist taking the top tackle in the draft or uh, we'll see what else uh, the Bears end up doing. But, um, you know, if, uh, it, you know, in, in the beginning, it was a pipe dream that Tunsil might be there. And, and now with the Buccaneers picking at number nine and the Bears only a couple steps away, it, it just might happen. We'll have to wait and see. As everybody knows by now, the reason that Tunsil was falling was because of a a tweet that came out just like not even an hour before the draft. I don't even think it was that much. Uh, it was a it was of of him a couple of years before. It was a picture that was part of a video that Tunsil recorded like two years ago. 
he had like a gas mask on that was connected to a bong. He was smoking weed with his friends. I mean, I don't really see, honestly, see that it's that big a deal, to be completely honest with you. Uh, at least not not now. You know, maybe a few years ago when when drugs, period, was completely taboo. But with the way the whole the way that the, the thing is turning just in the country, you know, half the country now is is it's OK to have, you know, weed and it's legal in in some country in uh, in some states and and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, some of the leagues don't even test for marijuana anymore. You know, that kind of thing, just to see how the stance on that is lightning. The NFL still treats it like it's crack. Um, you know, I don't smoke weed or anything like that. So it's not like advocating as a weed smoker. I just don't see the big deal. Uh, about it anymore I, I guess it's more of a morals thing or you know or at least that's how the NFL is approaching it but that's why Tunsil was falling that's why he continued to fall he even fell past the Bears but um, you know and and you'll hear me say at the beginning of this next reaction just moments after I, 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 I hit stop you know from recording that that segment the Bears made the trade they traded from 11 to 9 and um, yeah then, then they made their choice. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction. Just as as soon as I got done talking about the Bears maybe picking at a, you know, the Bears picking at eleven. Just just at that moment, the the the, the bulletin comes across the screen. The Bears have traded up from eleven to number nine, and the only thing that it cost them was one of their two fourth round picks, and actually. Uh, looking like they got a fourth round pick from the uh, from the Patriots for Martellus Bennett. They keep the later one at 127. They give up their own uh, fourth rounder at 107. But Goodell's on the on the podium right now announcing the pick. The Bears have traded up from 11 to nine in order to get Leonard Floyd. Ugh. this is god damn it this is the one guy i didn't want i was just on the phone with my dad not even an hour ago two hours ago whatever it was telling him when he asked me who i thought the bears are going to pick and i was like i tell you who i don't want i don't want leonard floyd and the reason i don't want leonard floyd is because he looks like shay mcclellan to me Okay, he's 240 pounds soaking wet with rocks in his pockets. He doesn't have the size, so he's not going to be overpowering or anything like that. Doesn't have overwhelming speed, or at least that's what I haven't heard. You know, I haven't heard these words from Kuiper and McShay and everybody else under the sun talking about this guy. He was the one guy I didn't want, and who do the Bears trade up to get? Leonard Floyd. Oh, God, I think, uh, you know what, and maybe this is a good thing. Maybe it's a good thing that I'm so disenfranchised with the guy. It won't take much for him to impress me. But with with the left tackle, Laramie Tunsil still on the board. Um, you know, Shaq Lawson is still on the board. Uh, I This is, this like I said, this is the one guy I didn't want. I didn't want Leonard Floyd, and we traded up to get the freaking guy. So he better be outstanding because I don't want him on my team. <laughs> So there you have it. Uh, not happy at all uh, about the Leonard Floyd pick. Now, obviously, um, word you know word around town and, and listening to other people uh, talk about it, 
you know, um, um, uh, they've talked me down um, somewhat. You know, I'm still not happy about the pick. Uh, it's just not a sky is falling moment as it was in the moment when it actually did happen because, you know, you heard me say it. I was on the phone with my dad about an hour before the draft started, and he's like, you know, you excited about the draft? Who you think the Bears should take? And I said, that's exactly what I said to him. And I quote, well, I can tell you who I don't want, and that's Leonard Floyd. And, you know, it, it was just one of those things. Todd McShay, absolutely in love with the kid. Every mock draft that he's had for the last couple of months at least, he's had the Bears taking Floyd. No matter what, Leonard Floyd, Leonard Floyd, Leonard Floyd. Um, they say he reminds people of um, Alden Smith, but when I look at Alden Smith, I see a stud. I see, you know, a big, bulky, you know, stud. Yeah, he's long and lanky, but he had some mass to him. Leonard Floyd does not. He looks like a guy who's going to get pushed around. And I hope, man, he is six foot six, so he has the long arms, the long reach, so he can uh, do a lot to to keep offensive tackles off of him. I hope that's what he's able to do. And and he he is a speedier guy, so faster than Shane McClellan was, but I don't, I just don't like it. I don't like it. He's going to be facing guys anywhere from sixty to eighty pounds bigger than him on every snap uh, of his career. And and I'm just um, I'm I'm hoping that it works out. I really am. Uh, he's a boomer bust guy, and I just didn't think that he was the right person, that the right kind of prospect the Bears should be going after uh, at this point. Uh, I did hear later on that um, that Ryan Pace actually tried to trade into the top five to get Jalen Ramsey. That would have been interesting. Uh, I don't like, however, what the Bears probably would have had to give up to make that move. Um, because I think Jacksonville had them had him circled on their board, so we would have had to jump all the way up to at least four to uh, to to make that happen. No telling what the Cowboys would have been wanting from the Bears to go from eleven to four, and, or you know, and for them to go from four to eleven, uh, taking themselves out of range for for a few different uh, guys. But um, you know, Tunsil was still there. Um, the best offensive tackle on the board, uh, and in many people's eyes, the best player on the board. And, you know, <laughs> the, the, to still the one glaring need that we have on the offensive line, even after the draft was completed, is left tackle. I, I, I'm just not sold on Charles Leno. I'm just not. And, you know, we, we didn't draft a left tackle uh, in the draft, and uh, we'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. Um, but... Um, you know, like I said, Shaq Lawson was there. Tunsil was there. I mean, there were a bunch of other guys that were there that the Bears could have taken. Um, but instead, they, they went and got Floyd, and they've been trying to sell Chicago on being excited about him. And I'm not the only one who feels this way about Leonard Floyd. I am not. And, you know, we just got done watching the Bears uh, with a four-year failed experiment on an undersized pass rusher. Now, granted, granted, um, Shane McClellan, to his, to, you know, to, to play devil's advocate and come to Shane McClellan's defense here, he was played out of position his entire career in Chicago. He was a pass rushing outside linebacker at at at, um, at Boise State. That's how he became a number one pick, and we didn't play him for one snap at that position, even after switching to a three four last year. Um, you know, he played out of his out of position his entire career. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for his sake that's what he does when he gets to New England. They play him as a pass rusher, as an outside linebacker, and see him as, as what he may, may, you know, what he was drafted uh, to be. 
Leonard Floyd is going to be playing as an outside linebacking pass rusher, you know, from day one. So maybe that will benefit him in the way that that, you know, it wasn't all Shane McClellan's fault, basically is what I'm trying to say. And I'm hoping that this regime will not make that mistake uh, with him. So I'm hoping that that, you know, Floyd's going to be a pass rusher. Hopefully he'll be a good one so we don't have to figure out what to do with him for the next four years. So but um, as we move into the second round, uh, the Bears were scheduled to pick at 41 in the second round. But as you'll hear in this little uh, smattering of knee jerk reactions, um, you know, Ryan Pace, uh, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm hearing that Ryan Pace was was a busy guy. He was trying to make some moves and use some of those extra picks that we had uh, to move up. He wanted to move up into the top of half, or not in the top half, but in the top of the second round. He wanted that tight end, Hunter Henry, uh, from Arkansas, which would have been great, but instead he went at like the third or fourth pick in the second round to San Diego, so he missed out on him. So he traded back from 41 and so on, and then you'll hear the knee-jerk reactions for how it all unfolded. <laughs> knee-jerk reaction to the second round and just as the bears were getting ready to pick or i'm sitting here watching the second round and it's kind of going fast and furious actually only seven minutes between picks so they're coming through a lot faster um i'm sitting here and i'm looking and the 39th pick was up and uh, I, forget, I think it was tampa bay then after 39 was the giants and then it was the bears uh at 41 all of a sudden you see the bears the CHI on the ticker there for ESPN disappear and it turns to Buffalo. The Bears have traded back into the second round. They've traded back eight spots. I was just looking at the details, eight spots to 49. And when we got two, two fourth round picks, so the pick that we lost to trade up to get Floyd last night, we get back and we add a fourth round pick in 2017. So uh, Ryan Pace, um, probably from the play players that were taken in the first half dozen or so picks of the second round, missed it on the guy that we wanted, trade back, accumulate some picks, and uh, take who we, who's the best on our board at 49. So as I am taking, uh, as I'm looking here, uh, we're up at 45 now, so the Bears are still a few more picks away. We accumulated the picks. You got to like that. Don't like to wait when uh, – you know when it's when it's your team and whatnot, but gonna be trading, uh, gonna be picking here in just a minute. So I'll be back. <laughs> Turns out I, I didn't get to come back, or I did come back, but only to tell you that I'll be back again later, and this time with a theory as to why it is the Bears traded back a second time. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction to the second round, and once again the Bears have traded back, and I think that we have the stinking Packers to thank for it. Uh, the Bears were picking at 49. Uh, Indianapolis was picking just before us at 48. Traded that pick to the Packers, who took offensive tackle Jason Spriggs uh, from the University of Indiana. I think maybe that's who the Bears were targeting at 49. When that guy came off the board, the Bears traded back with Seattle. So we dropped from 49 down to 56 and pick up, uh, according to Jeff Dickerson here, Another fourth-round pick, uh, 124. So the Bears now have three picks in the fourth round tomorrow. So that could be uh, that could be interesting to see what we can pick up. But as far as that second-round pick, the Bears are eventually going to make one. Uh, this time it's going to be 56. So we drop from 41 to 49. 
Now we're going from 49 to 56, and we'll see what's waiting for us when we get to that spot. So I do believe that we have the Packers to thank for the Bears falling back from 49 uh, to 56. I I do honestly think that we were waiting for Jason Spriggs uh, at 49. The Packers jumped ahead and went ahead and took him from us, and as soon as that pick came off the board, all of a sudden you see Seattle is there. The Bears have moved back. We added a third, fourth-round pick for, for uh, for this particular uh, draft and we fall back to uh, 56 and Spriggs was a guy that that I you know was interested in um, I, I I put it out there I believe I put it out there on Facebook for day two who who did I want after drafting Floyd and Jason Spriggs and Hunter Henry were on my wish list for round you know for the second and third round and it looks like the Bears were at least on the same page with me looking to get those guys, but unfortunately other teams had the same idea uh, and made moves to get them off the board, so the Bears had to drop back once again uh, to 56 and quite possibly made, in my opinion, at 56, made the best pick of the second round. (laughs) Knee-jerk reaction to the Bears finally, finally picking in the second round at number 56. The Bears take offensive guard Cody White here from Kansas State University. So not the offensive tackle that I was hoping for. But as you guys know, we can blame the stinking Packers. We'll talk to Evan Western when we have him on the show sometime later this year. But, you know, Cody White here adds depth to the offensive line. Um, Could speak to those rumors about maybe the Bears looking to trade Matt Slauson since we signed Ted Larson, Manny Ramirez, and now we drafted Cody Whitehair. Uh, Slauson may be the man on the way out considering that was a Phil Emery re-sign before uh, Pace took over, even though, granted, Slauson was the Bears' most reliable offensive lineman last year. So we'll have to wait and see. Maybe we're reading too much into that, whatever the case may be. But the Bears finally made their pick. Um, when, when Butkus came out, it was the only time in 56 draft choices that, um, Roger Goodell has been applauded as he's walked to the podium, the rest of the crowd booing the other 55 draft choices when Goodell was walking out there. So Butkus is the man in Chicago now, always, and forever. So there you have it. And unfortunately, the rumors were true. There have been rumors all offseason that Matt Slauson might be on the way out, that the Bears may be looking to trade him. Um, you know, of course, this is, this is something that made all Bear fans, including myself, scratch their heads, considering that Matt Slauson was the only offensive lineman to play every snap in 2015. Uh, I mean, we even missed Kyle Long for a game or so last year, and, and it just, uh, you know, it, it – uh, it was a, it was a, you know, why would you want to get rid of the guy who was, who was the only reliable guy that we had? You know, uh, even even Kyle Long, who made the Pro Bowl, had some, had had some uh, some shoddy days, and and Slauson filled in very well at center when the Bears needed him to. And if he wasn't at center, he was a, a you know a, a road grader uh, at left guard for us. You know, it was it just happened just uh, yesterday or Sunday, one of the two that. Um, that uh, you know, uh, on his Instagram uh, account, uh, Matt Lawson uh, posted a picture of an empty locker, uh, thanking Chicago and Chicago fans for for the three seasons that he was uh, with us, and uh, that he was sad to go, and that uh, you know it sucks that he is going. Uh, Kyle Long, of course, not uh, you know I'm not he's not angry, just you know upset, uh, you know emotionally, not you know not pissed or anything like that, but 
you know, um, paid tribute to his to his teammate uh, on his Twitter account and thanking him for for being there to kick him in the ass when he needed it and encouraging him, you know, when he needed that too and and uh, and so on. So, um, you know, personally not a fan of the move, but it makes sense. You know, as you heard me allude to the fact that uh, Matt Slauson was a Phil Emery. Uh, signing a Phil Emery ex- contract extension, you know, basically everybody but Jay Cutler uh, is gone as far as uh, who Phil Emery gave extensions to. Tim Jennings is gone. Matt Slauson is gone, uh, you know, and so on. And, uh, you know, Ryan Pace and uh, and company are doing everything that they can to erase the sins of Phil Emery. And uh, Matt Slauson was one of the few things that uh, Phil Emery did that worked out but, um, you know, the Bears getting younger and cheaper on the offensive line right now. Cody White here was projected to be a mid-first-round pick, and the Bears got him towards the end of the second round, so quite possibly the best value pick of the second round and a guy that's going to come in and with, with Slauson uh, being shown the door is probably going to be a starter from day one. So we've got, you know, one of the youngest offensive lines in the NFL right now. I mean, even Leno is a, you know, second, third year guy. Uh, you know, Cody Wardhair is a rookie. Hironis Grassu is going into his second season. Um, you know, Kyle Long is is going into his fourth year. And, and, and Robert Massey, our brand new right tackle, is only entering his fifth season. So, you know, if you're 27 years old on that offensive line now, all of a sudden you're the old man. Uh, out there you know what i'm saying it's 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 kind of crazy that uh you know that that's what the bears have gone to from having one of the more older offensive lines uh, in football to having probably one of the youngest if not the youngest as far as average age and such uh in the league right now with with veteran depth from ramirez and ted larson uh out there uh, as well so it's uh it's a real interesting unit that the bears are, are putting together and um you know, can't wait to see what uh, what uh, ends up uh, being with them. So, but then we finish off uh, day number two with um, with a with a draft choice uh, in the third round that many experts were ex- were uh, surprised to see, as far as like this guy still being there and uh, somebody who can be an instant contributor uh, come uh, come the fall when the Bears kick it off. Need <laughs> your reaction to the Bears in the third round at pick number seventy two. And it is a defensive lineman, defensive end Jonathan Bullard from the University of Florida, 6'3", 290 pounds. You know, they were talking about him saying he's a high-motor guy, not the most athletic, but high-motor guy, definitely always keeps it going, uh, gets after the quarterback, uh, is versatile too. They played a 4-3 and a 3-4 in his time at Florida. He's played defensive end on the outside in a 4-3. And in the 3-4, he's also played inside as a defensive tackle as well. So maybe one of those guys that can move up and down the defensive line, play both sides, and so on and so forth. So there's to the Bears for night number two. They may or may not be done. I mean, we have three fourth-round picks thanks to the deals that uh, Ryan Pace has made today. So maybe we use one of those fourth-round picks to trade back into the third round if there's somebody that interests the Bears. Uh, Somebody I was hoping they would go after was after Hunter Henry, the tight end from Arkansas, was taken. Uh, Jarrell Adams, a tight end from, I believe, South Carolina, who is regarded as probably one of the better athletes in the entire draft. A tight end 
you know, is still out there on the board. Maybe, hopefully, he'll be there when the Bears are picking tomorrow or somebody that the Bears may target in the fourth round, uh, you know, maybe use one of those picks to trade up into the rounds to, to get him. So, uh, as far as I know, this is it for night number two. We'll see you again tomorrow for the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round. <laughs> So this is a guy that, that I, you know, after the draft I'm reading and, and you know, many people consider him to be as like a first-round talent kind of guy that the Bears happen to get uh, in the third round. So a good value pick again. It fills a need uh, on the defensive line. We needed to get, you know, bigger and stronger uh, up front. And, um, you know, it's, 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 it's a good move. And this guy is a beast. He is a beast. 6'3", 295 pounds. Uh, you know, he's uh, – He's a load for sure, so I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, he can do. Now, as far as the picks from day three, I did do knee-jerk reactions, but I, I was um, I was uh, hanging out in my bedroom watching them on, on the TV in my bedroom, so I, I didn't bring my laptop in there, so I, I had my, my phone, and I was doing voice memos, but they wouldn't let me transfer from my phone to the – to my computer and everything so i i ended up losing them so i didn't have them but um here's how you know you know rounds four through seven broke down as such first pick of the fourth round the bears actually traded up a few spots um gave up our extra six round pick we had two six rounders we gave up uh, one of those six round picks uh, to take uh, inside linebacker nick quietkoski uh, from West Virginia, so Kevin White's got to be excited about that. A former teammate of his uh, joining the Bears uh, later in the th- in the fourth round, Dion Bush, a safety from the University of Miami, and then our third fourth round pick, DeAndre Hall, um, who played corner and safety uh, at Northern Iowa, joins the Bears, and it, it, they have the the Bears website has him listed as a cornerback. So I guess that's where we'll be playing him. And uh, fifth rounder, we go with uh, running back Jordan Howard from Indiana. A lot of people really like this pick. Um, you know, I, I was kind of hoping because I, you know, you heard me mention um, about the about the uh, the 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 tight end uh, from South Carolina. He was on the board for a while. He was up there like number one, number two on Mel Kiper's best available for for a while but i don't remember i don't know where it was exactly that he got drafted where he ended up uh but um you know the bears did not end up taking that tight end unfortunately uh jordan howard went in the fifth round uh he's running back and you know actually kind of being looked upon as maybe the best value pick overall that the bears made because he's looked upon as, as somebody that could be our, our next jeremy Langford, somebody that you know we drafted in the later rounds but comes in and is a contributor uh right away he's he's uh, he's only six feet tall but he's 230 pounds and he's a guy that that craves contact when running the football so he's going to be looking uh to make some uh make some noise and, and bonk some heads could be our our new short yardage guy you know it, the worst thing in the world is watching a team fail on third and one you know and i i read something earlier today uh you know robbie gold from like 2011 till now has 86 field goals between 20 and 29 yards which shows the bears not getting it done in the in the red zone in the red zone when you're kicking 20 to 29 yard field goals you were you should have scored basically you were you were in definite you know you're inside the 10 if you're kicking 29 yard field goals so uh would like to see that number shrink significantly and how many times last year did you hear me in knee-jerk reactions talking about 
finishing or even in previews and review episodes last year finish drives finish the drive forget field goals score touchdowns obviously that's the goal but you know it's just like come on guys we're there let's punch it in let's get it in uh and so on so hopefully this kid uh jordan howard uh can be a contributor and help us out there uh in the sixth round an interesting choice uh, another safety, DeAndre Houston Carson, a safety from William and Mary. And then to finish off the draft in the seventh round, Daniel Braverman, West, uh, wide receiver from Western Michigan, viewed upon as, as a Julian Edelman slash Wes Wel- Welker type. So uh, maybe he's the guy that uh, we'll be grooming to come up behind Mark Mariani because I think that's the that's the role Mariani's going to play this year. And this kid will obviously be somebody that viewed upon to help on special teams and, uh, you know, be that uh, that short yardage guy. And, uh, you know, you never know with the way Marquise Wilson is has not really lived up to his hype. I mean, obviously, we got him in the seventh round, but, uh, you know, this is a guy that has. That didn't he didn't have seventh round talent. This is a guy that had, you know, second first or second round talent, but fell considerably, you know, for character issues like quitting the team and such and like that in college. But you know, was viewed upon as being much better than his draft stock was. And you know, Marquise Wilson never really lived up to it. Can't stay healthy and and so on and so forth. Um, you never know what's going to happen, especially with with pace and the moves that he's making. Uh, and so on. Speaking of uh, moves, the other move that he made after drafting two safeties uh, over the weekend, we cut Antro Roll, so he's gone now too. And um, you know, Antro Roll was very was very graceful in his exit, but since then has started trashing not so much the Bears but the facilities. Actually, blaming his uh, his knee injury, his ankle injury, basically uh, blaming his ruined season last year on the Bears uh, practice fields. Um, you know, it happened, uh, I think it was like, it happened like on a Friday or something like, like the last practice before the bears were going to get on the bus and go someplace. Uh, he, that's when he screwed up his ankle and pretty much ruined the rest of his, uh, season saying that, you know, not only was soldier field bad, but the practice facilities were the same. So, you know, if that's true, if that's what the case is, I mean, roll wasn't the only guy to get hurt in practice last year. I mean, we lost, uh, you know, it pretty much cost uh, Alshon Jeffrey all of his 2015 season, you know, on and off with the injuries. He kept getting hurt in practice. So maybe there's a little something to that. Who knows? But, um, you know, he's taking aim at the Bears and saying that whoever he goes to next, he hopes Chicago's on the schedule, basically wants to pay us back for cutting him. So we'll, we'll see how that all uh, shakes out. So, so much for the, you know, bowing gracefully, taking it like a man type thing. Now, now this the switch is flipped and he wants to come after us. So uh, anyway, um, an interesting uh, draft class. Uh, I made my initial assessment on Facebook the other night saying that um, when I look at the class, you see Leonard Floyd, you see Cody Whitehair, Jonathan Bullard. I see starters in those picks or at least heavy contributors, uh, especially as rookies from the fourth round down with the exception of maybe Jordan Howard, who who is you know the way that they're talking is that this is a guy that that's definitely going to be uh, on the field if he can you know earn it. Uh, the rest I'm seeing special teams. So maybe the Bears are, are you know working to improve a unit that has suffered greatly from the departure of Lovey Smith and Dave Tobe, the guys who who you know was all about defense and special teams during their time, you know, and the offense kind of suffered. 
you know, we've kind of switched the emphasis over to the offense in the last couple of years, and the defense and special teams has suffered. We worked on the defense. The defense was definitely better but still needed to improve. And basically, if you look at the draft, you know, we drafted three offensive players out of nine picks. So a very defensive-heavy draft. But in the later rounds, you know, the like uh, DeAndre Houston Carson – blocked nine kicks so whether it was punts or field goals or whatever dropped you know blocked nine kicks in his career uh at william and mary deandre hall was a big special teams player daniel braverman played special teams uh quiet koski he's going to be a special teamer as well he said he loves to play special teams these are all guys that are going to be contributing to that and improving the quality of player that we have uh there as well so that's the uh 2016 draft class in a nutshell real quick we'll go through the um undrafted free agents um the one that was supposedly the one that's that everyone should get excited about is uh roy robertson harris a defensive end slash outside linebacker from utep another big guy however this is he's six foot six but he weighs 260 pounds 260 uh pounds as opposed to the uh under 240 pounds that our, our top draft choice, Leonard Floyd, uh, is coming in at right now. Uh, I did see that Leonard Floyd tweeted uh, the other day that uh, the Chicago has the best pizza he's ever tasted. So I posted, um, you know, you've got some weight to add to the frame. So uh, load up on the Chicago pizza. Lots of carbs and stuff. For the, you know, eat that. You know, put some weight on those bones, man. And, and I'm hoping that some some time in an NFL weight room will help him and on an NFL diet program and so on that will help him put on uh, some weight so that uh, he can get up around 260 and still maintain his speed uh, at the same time. But um, Roy Robertson Harris, a big guy, 260 pounds, six foot six uh, from UTEP. Uh, is the one that that was kind of like the gem of the uh, free agents that the Bears got. Uh, they got they they got two tight ends, uh, one from Division Three Wisconsin Oshkosh, Joe Summers, and from Havit Havit University Ben Bronecker. And and he was actually you know towards the end of the draft he was on Mel Kiper's best available uh, board. So a tight end from Harvard Ben uh, Bronecker. I, th- I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. He um, added to the Bears. Uh, got a couple more offensive linemen, Adrian Bellard, uh, an offensive tackle from Texas State, Dan Buckholes, an offensive lineman from Duquesne uh, University, and Joe Kling, an offensive lineman from the University of Buffalo. Um, on the defensive side, uh, Nate Meyer, a defensive end from Iowa, uh, Tevez uh, Calhoun, defensive back from Mississippi State, and Don Cherry, linebacker from Millanova, Oh, and and one more, uh, Darren Peterson, cornerback from Oklahoma State. So these are the guys, the undrafted rookie free agents that the Bears uh, signed after the draft concluded. Uh, the ones that I hear we need to keep our eyes on are, are Bronecker, the tight end from Harvard, and Roy Robertson-Harris, the defensive end from UTEP. But I'd keep an eye on all of them because we had, what, three or four undrafted rookie free agents start for the Bears last year. Uh, Jones-Corte, the safety uh uh, Timu uh, was out there Jonathan Anderson another undrafted rookie free agent so you know the scouting department earned its money last year for sure and granted these guys were kind of forced into duty but when they took the field they uh, they got the job done Przinsky I think is another uh, rookie free agent uh, from last year I think we got him 
off somebody's practice squad, though. But another undrafted guy that the Bears ended up getting their hands on last year and helped us out uh, in the uh, in the secondary. So maybe keep an eye on all of these guys. But I hear Robertson Harris, the defensive end slash outside linebacker from UTEP, and Broniker of kind of like the headliners of the undrafted rookie free agent class uh, that the Bears got. So those are the that's my analysis of our draft class that's the um you know the uh the analysis of our unrafted rookie free agents and um the last thing that i wanted to talk about before we get into the scott wright conversation is uh the bears don't we we as bear fans theoretically i would think anyway don't have to worry about the backup quarterback position anymore because after the draft concluded uh, in his press conference where he was talking about our draft picks, uh, our, our general manager, Ryan Pace, announced the Bears signed Brian Hoyer to a one-year deal to be the backup quarterback for the Bears. So the nightmare of Jimmy Clausen, I know that's already over. He's in, He's been in Baltimore and so on. The Bears let him go. But uh, having to worry about whether or not David Fales can handle uh, the job and whatnot, that, that worry is over with. Um, Brian Hoyer, who's been a starter in the league for the last couple of years in Cleveland and then last year in Houston, um, comes to the Bears, uh, has familiarity with Dole Loggins, worked with him in Cleveland at one point, uh, you know, knows uh, Jay Cutler very well and, um, you know, feels very comfortable coming in, being the backup in Chicago. And then we as Bear fans can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that, God forbid, if Jay ends up going down at some point, We've got somebody who's done the job and knows how to play the game to come in there at backup quarterback and put our worries uh, to rest and at least keep the ship afloat until the captain comes back. You know what I'm saying? So uh, very happy to hear that Brian Hoyer uh, is a member of the Chicago Bears. And um, I think that's all we have as far as uh, what I wanted to talk about. So... um, what do you say now? We go ahead, we dive in, we bring in our good buddy Scott Wright and get his take on the draft in general and more specifically how he thinks our beloved did in the 2016 NFL Draft. And back with us once again to review the uh, 2016 NFL Draft. Scott Wright from Draft Countdown dot com scott and was this is this like is this like christmas for you or you know was this like a special holiday in in the scott wright household how was the weekend for you it's kind of a blur especially the first round because i'm usually busy typing analysis in between the picks so the first round is usually a blur and then i get to enjoy the uh second and third days a little bit more but it, it never fails after all these years it still goes by so quickly it's hard to believe it's just uh, weeks and months of months of building up to it and then it seems like in the blink of an eye it's over but uh i'm excited now because working on reviews and then get to turn my attention to 2017 and kind of start with a fresh slate get a whole new group of players to look at scenarios to consider so uh it's a never-ending cycle and, and scouts around the league have already been working on 2017 for a little while yeah i bet i bet yeah it's it's uh well also like uh you know santa claus and the elves there's always next year you got to get ready for as soon as this year is done so uh you know back at the grind there's no time for no time for vacations right nope absolutely not it's, it's, it's but it's fun you, we love to do it and, and scouts i think feel the same way absolutely so 
we're gonna do a little general draft stuff before we hop into the to the Bears specifically and uh, the big story uh, of the first round and pretty much of the draft was Laramie Tunsil. I mean, not I don't even think it was an hour before the draft. The the picture from the video of him with the the weed mask on and all that kind of stuff. I mean, was it? I mean, you, you had a feeling that in today's NFL that was going to cause him to drop a little bit. Were you surprised that he almost completely fell out of the first half of the first round? Yeah, it was a pretty crazy scenario, and and I didn't even know what was happening until the draft started because I think. I think the video was released about 10 minutes before and I was grabbing something to eat and getting ready for the draft start. So I wasn't really following and I turned on and I, I saw what's going on. I saw somebody had made reference to Tunsil and social media. I didn't really understand it completely until I dug into it a little bit more. And um, it's, it, it's definitely crazy. And, and it, it absolutely cost him. Uh, it's just a matter of how much. Uh, and, and I think the Baltimore Ravens, I think at number six, it was, close enough with Ronnie Stanley that they could justify going that way. But for example, the Tennessee Titans, when they traded up, uh, they claim they had Conklin rated higher and maybe they did after this surface, but I think they kind of had to adjust on the fly. Uh, so I had Tunsil drop into number six and he wound up going to 13. So that's about a seven pick drop. And, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't like getting political, but this marijuana stuff is kind of starting to, it's, it's getting overboard, especially considering the social change in this country where, it's being legalized fully in some states. Uh, I think the NFL needs to uh, come around here and, and stop penalizing some of these kids. But uh, but but that's a bit that, that's an issue for someone higher than my pay grade. But uh, but Tunsil he landed in a good situation. I'm sure he's happy to be in Miami, and uh, the, the short term fall is going to hurt him. But he's such a terrific player. I think he's going to make it up in the long run. Uh, he was my number one overall player in the draft from start to finish. One of only two players I gave my elite grade to, and uh, uh, he's a, a incredible talent. So I. I think he, I think the Dolphins are going to be very pleased with that investment. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I think the timing is what hurt him more than anything, even more than the act itself, just because teams didn't have enough time to go back and vet and get the, any questions they might have had answered. So I think the timing is what really hurt him more so than the act itself even. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's been widely rumored that it was somebody who was looking to sabotage uh, him because it did come out just, I mean, less than an hour before the draft uh, began. I would even wager it was even less than half an hour uh, before the draft got started that this came out. I mean, you know, some mock drafts had him going three uh, to San Diego. Obviously, you had him going six to to Baltimore, and then after that, it's you know it just con- continued to free fall. I thought the Bears were going to be able to get him at at eleven or nine when they traded up and things like that, and then he fell all the way to uh, fell all the way to thirteen. I just I couldn't believe that it that it would spiral as much as it did, as quickly as it did. Yeah, and it just goes to show how afraid the teams are of uncertainty. Uh, and they, they're unfra- they're extremely afraid of the unknown, and I think that's what came into play here. And I, you mentioned the Bears, and I was surprised they didn't take him. Uh, I, I think they might uh, regret that in the long run, but I'm sure we'll talk about what they did and didn't do here going forward. Yes, we will. Um, so other surprises uh, in the draft. I mean, were you surprised Jalen Smith was basically a late first round uh, pick? I mean, he even went before Miles Jack did. Yeah, I, I was. I, I think it was probably the best case scenario for Jalen Smith because not only did he still go early in round two, but he also collected some of that uh, insurance uh, payout for, for dropping out of the first round. So it worked out pretty well for him, all things considered. Uh, I was shocked Miles Jack fell as far as he did. But as I always say, we don't know what these doctors are telling the teams. And, and that's where we're at the biggest disadvantage 
evaluating the draft in an independent uh, capacity. But uh, Miles Jack, I mean, for the Jaguars to get both Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack, my number two and number three overall rated players in the entire draft, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if any team has ever done that. I think they hit a home run, and regardless of what they did the rest of the way, they get an A plus. Uh, so I think Jack falling was a surprise, uh, especially as far. We thought he might fall a little bit, maybe just outside the top 10, but falling as far as he did was definitely a shock. And then you look at some of the other picks in the first round, they're considered surprises. Uh, the two safeties going as early as they did, Carl Joseph and Keanu Neal. But I had both going in the first round, and I caught some flack. People were told me I had Joseph going too high at number 21 overall. My final mock, he wound up going 14, and that basically pushed Keanu Neal up the board as well. I thought I had him going to the Steelers at 25, and he went in the top 20. So uh, that was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, Josh Garnett going to the San Francisco 49ers. Not only did he go in for the first round, but they traded back into yeah, round one what, for him. What happened there? They loved him. They, they, they were going to take Josh Garnett, I, and I was going to have him going there in my sec, in my mock draft. It was just a matter of the second round or the third round. Uh, but they had been linked to him prominently leading up to the draft. Specifically, Chet Kelly was apparently in love with him. So, uh, And he makes a sense. He makes sense for them. He's the type of player they're looking for. It, it addresses a need and all that stuff. But uh, a little early for my taste. I don't know who else was going to select Garnett that early. But, but even there... Probably, yeah, a little bit of a surprise, but him ending up with 49ers was not a surprise at all. They were the heavy favorite in the clubhouse. So I guess those are a few things early on. And then the, the biggest thing early on was Joey Bosa, the Ohio State, going to the Chargers at number three. Right. Uh, um, you know, we don't want to play poker with Tom Telesco, their general manager, because he did a pretty good job of of, of hiding his true intentions. And they had been linked to a, a number of the top players, including Bosa, but others more prominently, even leading up to the day of the draft. Is it going to be Ramsey? Is it going to be Tunsil? Is it going to be Stamley? Is it going to be Buckner? Uh, I, I bet there aren't many mock drafts out there that had Bosa going to the Chargers. So in this day and age where there's so much uh, everyone looks into it so deeply trying to look for any clue for them to kind of hide their intentions like that. It's pretty unimpressive. Right. Now, how about, uh, you know, day two, day three uh, surprises? Uh, anybody that, that just stayed on the board for whatever reason, you can't believe they're still there kind of thing? Well, my biggest faller was uh, LSU defensive back Jalen Mills, a uh, guy who can play corner or safety. Uh, just exactly the type of big, versatile, athletic defensive back you look for in this day and age. But he had some off-the-field issues and some character concerns that contributed to his fall. Uh, Connor Cook, the quarterback from Michigan State, uh, his nightmare pre-draft process just culminated in basically the worst-case scenario because unlike, say, Christian Hackenberg with the Jets or Cardale Jones with the Bills where there's a, a path to a, a shot at the starting job in the relative near future – Connor Cook is basically uh, locked to the bench behind Derek Carr, barring an injury for the the, the short term. So uh, not, not a good uh, situation for Connor Cook, uh, either in how far he fall or where he ultimately landed. Uh, but I guess one of the other big storylines, too, and I, I know Mike Mayock touched on this quite a bit during the draft, but we're seeing a trend where teams are shifting away from players who are run base that they're specially stopping the run in favor of players who can stop the pass uh, all things being equal they they're going to err uh, especially with the premium choices on guys who can help them against the passing attack and some victims of that this year uh, certainly Andrew Billings from Baylor the defensive tackle uh, Joshua Perry the inside linebacker from Ohio State and uh, there's a bunch of guys who are kind of in uh, uh, similar situations and I, I think it's probably a signal of of the way the league is trending going forward 
So who do you think ended up in the best situation? Who were your, your best fits, maybe your worst fit? I personally would, would – you just touched on it – would put Connor Cook in the worst fit situation. Not only did he get drafted by a team that didn't need a quarterback, he got drafted by a team that had a third-year quarterback who was on the rise. Like, like it's going to be a shock or a catastrophic injury for Connor Cook to ever see the field in Oakland. Yeah, and in the first round situation-wise, I think Carson Wentz going to Philadelphia, I think that's a great fit for him. He's going to have a little bit time to of time to adjust and develop. I think Robert Kimdichie, the defensive lineman for Ole Miss, going to Arizona, I think yeah. that's the type of culture and environment he needs to maximize his immense potential. Uh, and, and he can be mentored by Patrick Peterson and Tyron Matthew, etc., uh, I think the Minnesota Vikings getting Laquan Treadwell, the wide receiver from Ole Miss, he's exactly the type of player they were looking for for that offense. And, and the same goes for Will Fuller the from Notre Dame going to the Houston Texans. He's going to be that vertical passing threat to take advantage of Brock Osweiler's arm that they desperately needed. Most of these guys, they are good fits. That's why the teams drafted them. It's it's more of a rarity when you find the ones who who maybe aren't the prototypical fits or or that that kind of stand out. Uh, and, and I'm just looking at the draft uh, draft results now, trying to go through and find one that maybe jumps out that, uh, I don't know how that's going to work. I guess maybe the New York Giants, uh, number 40, taking Sterling Shepard, the wide receiver from Oklahoma. Not a huge surprise that he was expected to go right in that range, but I guess I kind of thought they might be looking for more of a bigger receiver like Michael Thomas from Ohio State to help replace Ruben Randall uh, in that role. So that was a little bit of a surprise, but more often than not, they're pretty good fits. Teams are teams know what they're doing, know what type of players they're looking for, and, and even if we don't agree all the time with the value and where they were selected, there's usually a pretty good reasoning for why they selected that player. All right, so so you're sitting there, you're watching the draft, you're getting into day two, day three. Who is it that, you know, after they make their picks, you're just thinking like, man, these guys are getting it done this weekend? Well, a bunch of teams. And, of course, you have some of the old standboys, standbys, the Baltimore Ravens, certainly. Uh, Ozzie Newsom is one of the best in the business, and he had another really good draft. But one that kept jumping out at me this weekend was the Houston Texans. And I mentioned Will Fuller, who's just a perfect fit for what they needed on, on that offense. Then they also shored up with their next pick, uh, the interior of that offensive line with Nick Martin, who's going to be their long-term solution at center, can also play guard. And then I really like their third-round pick, Braxton Miller, the wide receiver from Ohio State. One of my personal favorite prospects in this draft. Not only a phenomenal talent, but I think just a winner with that it factor. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even all throughout day three, I like the rest of what Houston did. So I think the Texans had a really good draft. The Jacksonville Jaguars, I mean, regardless of what they do beyond those top two picks, they get an A-plus with Jalen Ramsey and Miles Jack. That's exactly what that organization needed. They needed difference makers on defense and they got not one of them they got two uh so tremendous job for the uh the the Jacksonville Jaguars uh I think they did an incredible uh and then the Minnesota Vikings too I mentioned them with the Quan Treadwell but uh they're one of those teams one of a small handful of teams where they always get good value for their picks and whenever they're on the clock I can basically just look at my best available and they're going to take one of my best available almost like clockwork all throughout the draft so I think the Vikings did a really good job as always so uh, those were a few that stood out oh and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I really like what Tampa did uh, getting Vernon Hargraves the third the cornerback from Florida in round one but specifically Noah Spence the defensive end from Eastern Kentucky in round two who I think 
off the field issues aside, they would considered him in the top 10 overall. I think he might be the best pure pass rusher in this class, and that was a desperate need for them. So I love that pick in round two. And then even Roberto Aguayo, the kicker from Florida State, a lot's been made about them trading up to take him in round two, but he was a legitimate top 100 kicker prospect and has been considered so for basically the last two years. And that was an area where the Buccaneers had a lot of issues. And, and it's even more important this day and age where it's longer extra points. They're no longer automatic. Roberto Aguayo is automatic with inside 40. And he's got the leg to hit the longer ones as well. But specifically, he makes the ones he's supposed to make. And that's a more valuable commodity in today's NFL than ever. So you you referred to the Vikings and their draft class. They, they of course, made history uh, on, on Saturday in the sixth round when they took um, Bowringer, the, Moritz Bowringer, the, the wide receiver from from Germany did did you have any study on him before he got drafted or yeah absolutely and, and I didn't have him in the draftable range but there's such a fine line between a sixth or seventh rounder and a priority free agent so once you get into those those latter rounds there really isn't such thing as a reach anymore and and uh he's an intriguing guy certainly that that incredible blend of, of size and speed and just the Vikings draft in general I think them taking that player uh who's such a huge project and then also they traded away their third round pick for future assets. And, and what that tells me is the Vikings brain trust feels pretty secure and confident. They realize things are trending in the right direction and, and they, they have, they feel like they have the job security to go out and, and invest in a project to trade a, a third round pick this year for a better pick a year from now. Cause they feel like they're going to be around to make those picks. Uh, you don't often see that. So uh, overall, a good draft for the Vikings. I think Mackenzie Alexander, the cornerback from Clemson, um, he has some knocks, but when it comes to just turning and, and following a receiver around the field, he, you can make an argument that he's the, the best pure cover guy in this class, and I think he's going to be a nice uh, long-term replacement for Captain Munerlin and the nickel. And then even down the line, I really like what they did in the seventh round. They got J. Ron Kirst, the safety from Clemson, and I understand he's kind of a tweener. You're not exactly sure where to play him, but especially in the seventh round, I want a big athlete, long athlete like that on my team. And then Steven Weatherly, the defensive end from Vanderbilt. The Vikings organization has a really good track record of, of mining the, the day two, day three of the draft for productive pass rushers. And Weatherly's a really intriguing guy who I think you can make an argument based on physical tools, probably has early round physical tools. So I think that was a really intriguing pick in round seven as well. Okay, so let's transition over to the Bears now. And um, I, I was going to have you talk me off the ledge on, on Leonard Floyd, and then uh, I, I went to the to the website and saw your reaction to the pick, uh, you know, in the in the first round. And you and I are pretty much on the same page. How can they how can they pass on Tunzel? The the ceiling for this guy is high, but it's it's too much boomer bust. And you're not as big a fan of the pick uh, as some experts might be. Well, in all fairness to Leonard Floyd, there were a lot of teams early in the draft that really liked him. I think it's fair to say he was higher, more highly thought of around the league than he was necessarily in my rankings. And and maybe I'm just a little bit gun shy because he reminds me of Barkevius Mingo, who I had uh, who I, I kind of swung on miss on a few years ago. And I understood the risks going in with Mingo. I kind of ignored them just because I'm a little bit of a sucker for those rangy athletic pass rushers. Uh, but Floyd. He was expected to come off the board. It wasn't a reach by any stretch of the imagination. I'd have a hard time making an argument that, A, that pass rusher was a bigger need for the Bears than a left tackle, or B, that Floyd was a better prospect than Tunsil. But we don't know, I guess, everything that went into play there. Uh, right. But but 
you know, I, I always kind of wait to see what a team does the rest of the way because they're, they're going to have more picks. Maybe they're going to get a tackle late or maybe they'll trade for someone. But the Bears really didn't bring in a left tackle yet, and I'm not exactly sure what they're going to do. As far as I'm concerned, they did not address their most pressing needs. So uh, I'm a little critical of the Bears draft, even though I like a lot of the players they took. Uh, I, I just don't – I just question the wisdom of, uh, of, of, of you know, not, not addressing that offensive line better than they did. Right. Well, they've, uh, you know, it, it wasn't just, um, you know, press conference fodder for, for Ryan Pace. He's been saying all along that they like Charles Leno. They think he's a left tackle and their moves this weekend definitely. Uh, That's a vote of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. It, it lived up to that hype, I guess. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But Although um, maybe Eugene Monroe could be out there now that the Ravens drafted Ronnie Stanley. Maybe he could be available too. So th- there, there's other options. Uh, but but like you say, they gave Charles Leno a pretty uh, a pretty big vote of confidence uh, by not drafting another left tackle this weekend. Right. Um, so when when I look at our at our draft choices, we had nine uh, all together. Uh, in the first three rounds, we had Leonard Floyd, Cody White here, Jonathan Bullard, who I hear was like first round talent, but somehow fell into the third round. When I look at the draft board, I see starters one for, for rounds one, two, and three, and then. Four through seven, I'm pretty much seeing the Bears bolstering special teams. Does that sound about right to you? Well, and and certainly uh, Floyd's going to expect to be coming in and make a big impact right away. And then Cody Whitehair, the offensive guard from Kansas State, that's a plug-and-play starter, um, the top-rated guard in this class. Uh, now, Bullard in round three, I wasn't as big a fan of him as some. And maybe at the time was when people were talking about him as a potential first-rounder. I absolutely didn't see that. I have no problem with in third round where he was drafted. I think uh, that was a good value and proper. I just thought first round was a bit of a reach. And my issue with him was he put up a lot of these impressive numbers, these tackles for a loss and, loss and the sacks and these splash plays, but he did a, made a lot of that hay working on the interior where he was just a matchup, uh, a, a bad matchup for opposing offensive linemen. He could use his his quickness and athleticism on the interior to, 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 to fly past them. So, um, you know, I think he's going to be a good fit as a 3-4 defensive end, but I, I don't think he's a, the dynamic player. Maybe the box score stats might lead you to believe. But but beyond that, initially, you're right. I think that's the initial plan. But I think there's some guys that they got on that third day who could develop into starters down the line. And, you know, I, I actually like all of the Bears picks. There's not one pick that stands out that I say, oh, that was a bad one. Oop, they missed on that one. And, and there's usually one of those with, with most teams. Uh, there really isn't with the Bears. I think they did a good job throughout of getting good value for all their picks, and and, and I like that they went at the secondary uh, hard on day three. And uh, I think there's going to be opportunities in that secondary for both Deion Bush, who I thought was underrated, uh, and then DeAndre Hall, a uh, guy who can play corner or safety, and then also DeAndre Houston Carson, who I think could have gone as early as a fourth or fifth round. So I think they got good value in the secondary with all three of those players. And then I like Nick Kwiatkowski as well, a uh, versatile player, can play. Uh, he's played inside. He can play outside. He can play four three. He can play three four. Uh, I'm not going to bet against that guy. I had a top 100 grade on Nick Krakowski, and I oh, think, nice. and I think he's going to be a starter eventually. I don't know if it's going to be immediately, but at the very least, you know you're getting a versatile backup. But I would not bet against him being a starter eventually. Okay, that sounds cool. I mean, because you know, I just long run, not not short term. Yeah. Obviously, they signed Freeman and Trevathan. I'm not talking as a rookie, but right down the line. Well, I mean, I just saw that, you know, when, when they're going at their, their – because at the time, watching the draft, 
uh, Bush Hall and how and uh, excuse me and Houston Carson were all listed as safeties. When I looked at the Barrier website yesterday to to get the particulars on the pick, they have DeAndre Hall listed as a cornerback on the Bear website. So I guess they're expecting him uh, to be a corner. But it's just the, that's the one thing that that Kuyper and and McShay kept emphasizing when they were reviewing these picks. Uh, you know, this guy expect him to special help out on special teams. Made a big deal about Houston Carson blocking nine kicks uh, when he was in college, and and uh, and so on and so forth. You know, even Kwiatkowski and, and Daniel Braverman. You know, expect them to be special teamers and blah blah blah, and so on and so forth. Not really like the the impact draft that that uh, Pace had last year, where basically all of the picks that he made, or at least that were healthy enough to play contributed in one way or another granted some of them were forced into duty but this one looks like more of uh you know bolstering the special teams after getting some heavy hitters in the beginning and that's what most teams expectations are on day three of the draft they don't go into day three thinking okay this guy's gonna be a starter for us um and and the, the expectations are relatively low for day three picks and uh, within the league and and in regards to DeAndre Hall, I think they're making the right move, giving him a shot at corner and and he could play both, uh, but he's got excellent size. Uh, he's a, a big corner and and didn't run particularly well. He only ran four six eight at about six one and a half two hundred pounds. But I think he plays faster than that and really smooth athlete. And he's just rougher on the edges. He's going to need some work in terms of the technical aspects of that game, but moves really well in the field. And I'm always of the opinion you give him a shot at corner. If it doesn't work out, you can always move him into safety. But uh, certainly he'd be a more valuable asset as a, a corner and uh, a similar player in some ways to Jacoby Glenn at least physically in the way they're built, just really long and rangy and um, a, a lot of upside. So uh, I think that's a good fit. And value-wise, I think they did a good job with all three of those defensive backs. And and Deion Bush, I really like him. Uh, he was one of my favorite players uh, throughout this process. And, and I think the biggest reason he was available when he was he doesn't necessarily have the prototypical size and he's got some some durability concerns. Uh, but man, he, he's tough. He really is. He's a good football player. And uh, I, I'll bet the Bears end up getting a couple starters on, out of this day two crop, at least. Well, one that I'm definitely hearing could crack the lineup is our fifth rounder, um, uh, Jordan Howard, the running back from from Indiana. Pace uh, talked about him quite a bit in the press conference, talking about how he liked his his you know rough and tumble run style. You know, he's he's more of a grinder between the tackles, maybe a short yardage uh, guy that the Bears have needed so desperately for the last couple of years. Yeah, and you describe the type of player he is perfectly. Uh, he's a plugger, basically. Uh, I, I call him a meat and potatoes back. Uh, if, you you, if you need three yards, he's going to get you three yards. And and what I like about the pick specifically is, A, it was pretty good value. I didn't really – there was talk about him going in the top 100, and, and he was a fringe top 100 type guy, but I think it was a much better value to get him in the fifth round. And, and he provides a compliment in that backfield. He gives them something they were lacking. Uh, he gives them something that Langford and Carey and Rogers don't bring to the table. So uh, I don't know if I ever envision him being a starter. Uh, I look at him as kind of a Stephon Taylor type of player uh, out of Stanford a few years ago, who's kind of been a, a power back uh, a rotational guy in Arizona. But uh, I think that was a good fit for them and, and it gives them a different dimension at that position. Yeah, one of the words that Pace kept using was traditional. Yeah. He's a traditional running back. He's a traditional running back over and over. He said that when they when they were, were talking about him uh, in the presser after the draft on uh, on Sunday. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a very good, and there, that's the thing too. You know, there's not a lot of flash to his game. There's not necessarily one thing he said. Oh, he's just so amazing at this. He just, he just, he's uh between the tackles. Uh, I'm gonna get you three yards, three yards in a cloud of dust. Well, this is definitely something I agree that the Bears need. I, I saw a crazy stat over the weekend saying that, uh, you know, the Bears definitely needed a short yardage back because from like 2011 and through the 2015 season, Robbie Gold has made 86 field goals between 20 and 29 yards. So, um, you know, that definitely means that you're in the red zone not getting it done for sure. So, And how often do we say when teams get field goals when they should be kicking touchdowns, it usually comes back to haunt them? Oh my! That was that's the the theme for the 2015 season for the Bears. So many games would have been so different if we're if we're scoring touchdowns instead of field goals in uh, in that in that season. So I mean, they were six and ten. They could have been so much better than that if they'd have been able to finish uh, on offense. So maybe this is the kid that'll help us get uh, get to that spot. So um, so we go through the seven rounds. We get to the undrafted. Uh, free agents was there anybody in, in the crop that the Bears picked up that a you were surprised was still there and that b was like well that's that's somebody that could contribute early on yeah looking at the list there were three guys that kind of jumped out for me and, and two guys that they wound up signing as free agents I actually had draftable grades on uh, one was Ben Broniker the tight end from Harvard it's not that he's this incredible prospect I thought he was a draftable guy and I thought he might get pushed up a little bit just because this tight end class was was so weak I thought maybe you could even see him get pushed into the middle rounds uh, so I think that was a good pickup and the other guy I had a draftable grade on was Kevin Peterson the cornerback from Oklahoma State uh, another guy tough you know I, I think that's kind of a, a trend with a lot of these Bears picks too is toughness and uh, he doesn't have necessarily great size but he's an adequate size he's a good athlete he's very quick and uh, I really like Kevin Peterson I wouldn't be surprised if he made that team and the other guy that kind of jumped out at me that I kind of found intriguing that uh, I got a tip on later in the process and I eventually added to my rankings and that was Ray Ro uh, Roy Robertson Harris uh, the defensive end outside linebacker from UTEP uh, really a big frame 6'5 and 3 ace 256 pounds he ran a 4'8 as pro day so uh, I, I kind of he kind of caught my eye, but I, I think Peterson was clearly the uh, uh, Peterson and Broniker were the, the top two guys they signed in terms of my rankings. Okay, okay, great, great. Um, so going into into twenty seventeen, so we'll just touch on to that briefly before we let you go. You know who's who's ranked at the top of the class right now, and and you know how's that looking going forward. Well, you got to start with quarterbacks, and I have to dig. Quarterbacks is one of those positions you really want to dig into, but my initial gut is uh, Deshaun Watson from Clemson could be the top quarterback going into next year, but not going to be the top player, I don't think. It's going to be one of those situations where if a quarterback goes number one, it's going to be more based on team need. In terms of just talent, some of the guys that stand out, I've been a big fan of Alabama left tackle Cam Robinson since his true freshman year. I remember watching the Crimson Tide and I was evaluating another prospect and Robinson just kept jumping out of film. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his. I think he's a top five talent. Miles Garrett, the defensive end from Texas A&M, uh, just a, a freakishly talented edge pass rusher. I think he's going to be going in the top five overall. Uh, and then, of course, Leonard Fournette, the running back from LSU, uh, might be the closest thing to uh, a physical freak at that position since we've seen since Adrian Peterson. Uh, so, so those are a few of the headliners. It's going to be a, you know, I'm pretty stingy with my elite grade. I only gave it to two guys this year. Next year, there's going to be three, four, five of them that are going to be in the conversation. It's going to be pretty strong at the top. So I think overall next year is going to be considered a stronger draft than even 2016. 
Okay. Uh, any any positions that'll be stronger this year that were pretty weak this year? Like, is next year got a better tight end class? Is next year better with interior linemen than pass rushers? Or yeah, yeah I haven't gotten into the the depth yet at each position, but I, tight end can't almost ha- almost can't help but be stronger. This was such a bad tight end <laughs> class, and, and I can guarantee you, whoever the tight end one was this year. They're not, they wouldn't have been tight end one next year because O.J. Howard from Alabama, I think if he had come out, he'd have been a first-round pick this year. So uh, I think O.J. Howard's going to be a first-rounder at the tight end position. So we're going to have at least one there next year. But, um, but yeah, it's been kind of a, a few down years at tight end. And, and there's a few guys for next year. Bucky Hodges out of Virginia Tech. Uh, th- there's a number of options out there. So I think it will be a better tight end class, even though I don't know the exact uh, extent of the depth. Uh, I think it's going to be better than, than next year. At the very least, it's going to be better at the top. Right. And then real quick, there was a tight end from South Carolina. Was it um, Adams? Jarrell Adams. Was his Jarrell, where did he end up going? I, I, I never did find out where he went. I, you know, I got a, I got my sheet here. I can find him exactly. I'm still uh, memorizing all of the uh, exact results myself, so I haven't uh, got it completely memorized. But I think he went to – here we go. Uh, he went to the Giants in round six. And, and, th- okay. and there again, that was a case of uh, – because I, I thought he might go in the top 100. Uh, he's a good athlete, and, and overall, these tight ends just slid. I thought we because the position was so weak, I thought we might see them getting pushed up the board a little bit. But but teams kind of just came to the realization, well, there aren't tight ends to get this year. Let's bring in better players at other positions. So, yeah, I had Jarrell Adams as my t- number four tight end, and I thought he'd go in the back end of the top 100. He's an intriguing guy. He's 6'5 and 8, 250 pounds. He ran a 4'6. He's a good athlete. Uh, uh, just a little bit more of a finesse receiver. But I think in the sixth round, the Giants got really good value. Yeah, because I was, you know, looking at best player availables after day two, after, you know, going into day three and, and so on, and, and really wanted the Bears. The, the, the wish list for me was I, I wanted a defensive end, not so much a pass rusher because I'm happy with Willie Young and, 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 and Lamar Houston on the other side of, of McPhee. I think they all did very well last year, so I didn't think that was a dire need as far as the Bears were concerned. You know, somebody to help the up front, you know, the front three uh, for them. And uh, a tight end to, you know, replace, not so much replace Martellus Bennett, but at least to complement uh, Zach Miller and, and, and obviously the left tackle position. And uh, I only got one of the three of those uh, positions addressed. So when I saw, you know, Jarrell Adams, he kept falling on the board. I was hoping the Bears would pick him up and they just never did. Well, and, and I think teams, if you can wait a tight end, for another year, I think that's the way to go because you were seeing guys getting taken probably a round or two earlier than they should have been in the earlier rounds. Uh, uh, Hunter Henry, I don't think he was as good of a prospect as Max Williams was last year, and I believe he went 55 or somewhere late in the second round, whereas Henry went early in the second. Uh, even Austin Hooper is a talented guy, but redshirt sophomore, he got pushed up a little bit. So uh, I, I think uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of demand there is for O.J. Howard next year because he is such a... Uh, a special talent to that position, probably one of the better tight end prospects we've seen come around, come around in a number of, ye- number of years. But beyond that, because we've had such a dearth of impact talent like that at the top, not only this year, but really the last three years, uh, I just wonder how much more valuable that's going to be make OJ Howard. He's kind of an oasis in the desert teams that have been thirsty for a tight end the past few years. They're going to see him and he's going to look awfully enticing. So I think he's going to be a first round pick. It's going to be just a matter of how early in the first round he comes off the board. Right. So if you had to give the bears an overall grade, you don't have to say, you know, definitely this, but maybe a range like a minus to B plus kind of thing. Where would you put the bears for 2016? Yeah, and I'm still working on I'm putting letter grades on the drafts, but I think the bears drafts, but I think the bears did well. That's 
I talked about earlier, they don't. There's not one pick that I'm vehemently against. Uh, I guess the one I take the most issue with is the first one. I just would have preferred Tunsil in that spot. But I understand it's not like they reached for Floyd, so it's not like that's an awful pick. So I would put them firmly in that B B plus range. I think. I think they did a solid job. Uh, my only concern is that left tackle position, and they obviously have a lot more faith in Charles Leno than I do. And we'll see if it works out. Uh, we, we were given the the Panthers last year when they didn't draft an offensive tackle we were giving them all kinds of grief saying Cam Newton's going to get killed including myself and uh, they found a way to make it work and took them all the way to the Super Bowl so you never know uh maybe Charles Leno is going to be the answer maybe he's not but uh if not they'll have another chance in a year to uh do better at the position all right well thanks so much uh Scott for for joining us always great to have you on the show look forward to having you back uh, next year to to see how many of your predictions about these 2017 guys we just talked about uh will come to fruition uh come april uh april may of next year thanks for having me as always larry all right scott wright draftcountdown.com you can check the when you when's your you think you'll have those grades ready to go They'll be coming within the next couple of weeks, and then okay. I'm going to get right to work on 2017 content. i got to go through and gather stats and format pictures, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, look for early to mid-June. The site will be relaunching with all new content for 2017. I'll be hitting the ground running with the new site redesign. All right, so keep your eyes on that. DraftCountdown.com. Scott Wright, thanks again for being on the Bears, uh, Chicago Bears Review. So real quick, we want to go ahead and wrap things up here. Just want to thank Scott Wright again for uh, taking the time to be on the show. This is definitely a monumentally busy time of year for him. He He's uh, you know doing interviews all over the country with all kinds of radio stations, podcasts, and he's got a podcast of his own You know, and you know, running his website, draftcountdown.com. Uh, so we do really appreciate him taking the time to uh, – to talk to us and uh, share his insight on the draft and uh, how he thinks our beloved did. See, you know, he's not in love with the pick like Todd McShay was, not really in love with the pick like Mel Kuyper was, um, you know, but I think that more people are, are in love with with, with his ability uh, with Leonard Floyd uh, as far as the um, you know his his potential and and what he could become and and so on I just um, you know I'm not a fan of the fact that it could all go off the edge of the cliff and uh, and so on so um, you know like you know, and you heard Scott Wright say you know a lot of teams were in love with him so it wasn't a reach for the Bears or anything like that it's just that you know Definitely feel like the, that left tackle position could have been easily addressed with Laramie Tunzel, uh, who fell into our laps that way, but uh, didn't quite work out. So uh, we'll sit and we'll sit back and cross our fingers and hope that uh, Leonard Floyd can become Alden Smith, uh, like they uh, like Vic Fangio uh, fantasizes about, and uh, see if he can become. Because they, they made a point talking about how John Fox drafted both Julius Peppers and Von Miller. So hopefully <laughs> Leonard Floyd can be up there with those guys uh, as far as being uh, elite defensive uh, players. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to, to wait and see, and, and we'll cross our fingers uh, on that. So as far as, uh, as, far as the show going forward, uh, this is the low period uh, of the year. But um, like I said, I've been reaching out 
to to the bloggers, SB Nation writers, beat writers and such uh, for the Bears' various opponents. I've gotten word back from everybody in the NFC East right now except for the Giants. Still waiting to hear back from from Giants people right now. Uh, the AFC South has been a little bit slower, but I have heard back from the Indianapolis uh, Colts writer that I wanted to talk to. So we've got that locked down. Um, we also have, you know, Evan Western, Chris Gates, Jeremy uh, Reisman from uh, uh, from from the NFC North teams. We we'll definitely have those guys back. Mike Carrar from the Redskins. We had him last year. He's going to be back with the NFC East again. And of course, Sander Phillips uh, from Tampa Bay. All those guys are on board. So we've got a good start as far as who we're going to talk to. Still got to sh- uh, you know shore up the rest of the N- the AFC South. Got to find somebody for the 49ers. I want to talk to somebody about the 49ers this year, and uh, we got to get somebody for uh, the Giants. So still have a little bit of work left to do, but for the most part, those interviews are locked down. It's just a matter of uh, when and where, and then I will let you guys know who I'm talking to, who we're going to put out there to uh, to when we get our opponent preview episodes uh, started probably towards the end of this month and into June so that the gap between the end of those opponent previews and training camp isn't that big so um, you know probably you probably won't hear from me much if at all for the rest of the month just keep your eyes on the Facebook page uh, just search Chicago Bears Review on Facebook you'll find us there uh, you can always find me on Twitter shy bears review chi uh, bears review uh, and or you can just find me personally uh, on Twitter and that's me, Larry Dyer the third. So, go ahead and, and find me there. Uh, stay in touch. We'll we'll you know share the news as soon as it comes as far as what the Bears are doing when they're going to start signing some of these picks and uh, any other moves uh, that the Bears make. Maybe something intriguing will happen that will inspire me to do a show sometime between now and the opponent previews. If not, that's when you hear from me next when we get those opponent preview episodes going. So until then. My name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. 
The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indeed. 